This bill creates a student-first scholarship. Let's talk about this appropriation. Scholarships for private schools advance in a committee as part of an omnibus bill that also requires teachers to publish everything online that will be used in the classroom. Can you imagine putting your life's work in six months increments on a website in the summer before you even arrive at school? From Iowa Public Radio News, this is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. I'm aware of the situation where this bill came from, the uh, use of a drug called ivermectin. In the House, two bills pass about drugs. One is about experimental treatments for people on ventilators. The word ivermectin does not exist in this bill, but I think we know what we're talking about here. And the other increases penalties for having smaller amounts of heroin. It targets drug dealers, but opponents say it doesn't help drug addicts. It raises them to the level of a dealer, because. I'm not sure that's true. And the Senate passes a bill banning transgender girls from playing on girls' sports teams and transgender women at colleges. To preserve the integrity and purity of athletic competition. It's about singling out some of our most marginalized kids. I'm John Pimple. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending March 4th, 2022. Iowa Public Radio has the cure for your endless scrolling. The IPR app. The latest news, your favorite music, fresh podcasts, they're all a tap or two away. With newscasts updating throughout the day, the latest stories every time you open the app, and live streams of your go-to station, you get only what you need to know when you need to know it. So stop the scroll. Get the IPR app. Senate file 2349 is the governor's school choice slash transparency bill. Republican Senator Ken Rosenboom is part of the Appropriations Committee. He's discussing a bill that came from the Education Committee. Because this bill involves funding, it has to come through the Appropriations Committee in order to advance to the full Senate. Because this is an Appropriations Committee, I'm going to limit my uh, remarks to those those parts of the bill that require action on, by this committee. This is an omnibus bill, which means it is a bill with multiple divisions. This one has six, but the focus is mostly on one about scholarships for private schools. This bill creates a student-first scholarship for students at or below 400% federal poverty line or students with an IEP. IEP is an individualized education program. This is for children requiring special education and related services. The federal poverty level income for a house of two is $18,000. 400% of the federal poverty level for a household of two people is $73,000. And if there are four people, say like two parents and two children in a house, 400% of the poverty level is $111,000. There's a cap of 10,000 total scholarships in this bill, and that 10,000 is to be divided half and half between the uh, 400% federal poverty level applicants and students with an IEP. The other thing I'll mention, it creates a student first enrollment supplement fund for the state savings from the student first scholarship. These funds will be directed to small schools that have an enrollment under 500 students. All of this funding comes from the state's general fund. Let's talk about this appropriation. Democratic Senator Claire Selsey opposes this funding to private schools. 
This appropriation would cost first year 10,000 students $53 million just for the, the voucher, $22 million for the rural school bribe, which by the way, the rural schools know it's a bribe and they don't want it because they know that this would just hasten the demise of their districts. Senator Selsey moves on to another division of the bill that requires teachers to place all materials that will be used in the classroom online. Can you imagine having to put your entire semester's worth of work on a website that doesn't even exist yet, by the way, and schools are going to have to pay for that too. That's an unfunded mandate. Um, can you imagine putting your, your basically your life's work in six months increments on a website in the summer before you even arrive at school? That's really what this amounts to. Let's get real. If a school doesn't comply with this requirement, their state aid will be reduced for every day it isn't in compliance. We've had discussions of this nature actually for several years up here. Senator Rosenboom says he disagrees with Senator Selsey's characterization of this proposal. I believe this bill is about children, essentially. We're not talking about schools here. We're not talking about anything else. We're talking about children in our schools. Another division of this bill requires high school students to pass a United States civics test with a 70% score in order to graduate. It also removes the requirement for most school librarians to hold a master's degree. This bill advances from the full committee. You could say the legislative session is scheduled for 100 days, although technically there isn't a specified end date. Legislators are incentivized to be done in 100 days because on April 19th, per diems stop. That equals 15 weeks. Having just finished the eighth week, it is possible we're at the halfway mark and this week bills are coming through the chambers more rapidly. House file 2462 raises the penalty for selling heroin. The penalty will now be equivalent to selling meth. Republican Representative Ross Poshton foremanages a bill that would dramatically decrease the amount of heroin a person is carrying that would be subject to felonies. Today, possession of one kilogram is a Class B felony with up to a 50-year prison sentence and a $1 million fine. This bill cuts the amount to 100 grams. That's a 90% reduction of heroin. It also applies a Class C felony for possession of 5 grams or more, which is punishable by 10 years and $50,000. Currently, that threshold is 100 grams. I am concerned about raising the penalties um, as the solution for this issue. Democratic Representative Marty Anderson says a solution to drug use isn't to increase penalties for smaller amounts of a drug. What we need to do is have some methadone clinics like we set up in the 70s that help people get off of the heroin. Um, an addict um, really needs a lot of help and a lot of support and um, I, I'm, I'm not supportive of putting them in jail even uh, if we think that if they have a certain amount, it raises them to the level of a dealer, because I'm not sure that's true. Our goal should be not only to uh, make sure we punish those who are flooding our streets with heroin, but to also work to save lives. Democratic Representative Roz Smith offers an amendment that would involve working with people addicted to heroin. It instructs the Department of Public Health 
in collaboration with the National uh, Harm Reduction Coalition to convene a work group to develop recommendations to the state to reduce heroin use as well as heroin overdoses in the state of Iowa. Harm reduction coalitions across the country establish relationships with drug users to help prevent drug injection related infections and overdoses by providing safe spaces and resources for treatment. I'm especially looking at the minority impact statement um, given the history here in our state with incarceration rates. An analysis of the bill from the nonpartisan legislative services agency reports last year out of seven people placed in prison with class C felonies for heroin, six were minorities. The analysis says this proposal could have a negative impact on minorities. Democratic Representative Akeo Abdul-Samad says this bill does more to punish users than it does drug dealers. We have to not to penalize the addict, not to incarcerate the addict, but to be able to look at and provide the treatment. So then we then add on top the dealer, go after the dealer. But if we don't do both simultaneously, then we're leaving a door open. But floor manager representative Ross Postian says treatment won't stop this drug from spreading. Heroin addiction and overdoses are a growing problem across Iowa. That must be addressed in multiple ways. Treatment alone won't stop the spread of this dangerous drug. Heroin dealers must face meaningful penalties to keep them off the streets, slowing accessibility to these deadly illegal drugs. This bill passes with bipartisan support. 22 of the I votes are from Democrats. Two of the nay votes are from Republicans. This is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. This season, Garden Variety wants to help you flourish. Each week, our favorite horticulturists drop by with fresh tips. Subscribe and dig in. Head to ipr.org garden or find Garden Variety wherever you get your podcasts. A few years ago, Iowa passed a law titled Right to Try. It allowed for terminally ill patients to use experimental drugs that are in the first phase of testing by the Food and Drug Administration. This required a recommendation from the patient's physician. Now a bill in the House proposes to expand the kind of experimental drugs for a patient and broaden who can prescribe them. Republican representative and registered nurse Ann Meyer is the floor manager for this bill. It expands eligible patients to include those receiving mechanical ventilation to prolong life. It also adds the use of an FDA-approved drug used in an off-label fashion. Once again, the Iowa legislator is dictating how to practice medicine here in the state of Iowa. Democratic Representative John Forbes is a pharmacist. I'm aware of the situation where this bill came from, and it was all around the... uh, use of a drug called ivermectin. Ivermectin is a drug used to treat parasitic worms in horses and in some cases infections caused by parasitic worms in humans. It's also used to treat head lice and skin conditions when applied topically. It's also been considered by some who are not vaccinated for COVID-19 to be a treatment. The FDA has stated Current data does not show ivermectin is effective against COVID-19. The FDA is still pursuing clinical trials. Representative Forbes cites a report from the Journal of American Medical Association about a clinical study of ivermectin involving 500 people. There's a lot of talk about this medication being the savior to to COVID-19. And this study which was published in a reputable journal, the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, 
demonstrated that the, the medication really did no good for the patients and in maybe some cases made them sicker. Representative Ann Myers says while the medication can be brought to the hospital by someone like a family member, it must be medication prescribed by a doctor. It may not be one that is in the hospital. It may be one in, the, in town. It may be one that doesn't have privileges. And I, I think that, that this is where there's a little turf for because doctors have, you know, postgraduate training of at least eight years and they're practicing under their own license. So um, I feel that this is perfectly appropriate legislation. Representative Meyer says a doctor prescribing a drug must have a license to practice in Iowa but does not have to see the patient. Democratic Representative Jennifer Conferst says this is concerning. I do think it's important that we also consider the implications of a doctor who is not in any way affiliated with a patient being able to prescribe an alternative drug against the wishes of the doctor who's attending to the patient. This bill also states a health care provider shall not be liable for prescribing or administering a drug not approved to treat the illness or condition. Representative Meyer says while the bill expands potentially experimental treatments for people on ventilators, it doesn't single out the drug talked about during much of the debate. The word ivermectin does not exist in this bill, but I think we know what we're talking about here. I think we all know that there's a political differences uh, with treatments. Whether they work or they don't, you can look at one study, you can look at another. We know that 20% of the patients on vents don't come off. Why not give them that chance? The bill passes 62 to 36. Three Democrats vote for it. No Republicans vote against it. I'm speaking today to stand in strong support of House File 2416 and the stance Iowans are taking to protect the integrity of sports across our great state. Republican Senator Jesse Green speaks in support of a bill banning transgender girls from participating on girls' sports teams in K-12 schools. It also does the same for transgender women at public and private colleges. Today, by passing this measure, we send a message to the nation that Iowans will not put common sense aside for wokeness. In the midst of an ongoing culture war, Iowans are taking bold steps to preserve the integrity and purity of athletic competition for generations to come. The bill allows the school or students to sue if they are directly or indirectly harmed for enforcing or complying with the ban. It also removes any liability for the school or government entity for enforcing the rule. But Democratic Senator Nate Bolton says this doesn't protect schools from all lawsuits. While it seeks to immunize schools from lawsuits, it does not and cannot when it comes to federally protected civil rights claims. So if a school is faced with a lawsuit in federal court, this body will have mandated the action for which a school will be forced to pay damages. Uh, there's, there's some boundaries in life that we used to understand. Republican Senator Jim Carlin sponsored a bill that didn't advance in a previous legislative session that would force people to use a school bathroom that corresponds to their gender at birth. He reiterates some of those arguments for this proposal. Maybe we're just trying to protect time-honored boundaries for women and little girls who want the privacy of a restroom and a shower 
who want authentic competition in the field of sports, what we're trying to do here is stand up for them. Democratic Senator Jill Bolcom says for those concerned about boys posing as girls to play on a girls team, there are already safeguards in place. The Iowa's Girls Union and the Boys Athletic Association policies guide local school districts to allow transgender girls to participate on the sports team matching their gender identity. In making these very rare and very individualized decisions, our schools and athletic organizations look to whether trans girls consistently identify as girls at school, home, and socially. Republican Senator Annette Sweeney was an athlete in high school a few years after Title IX became a federal law. It began in 1972 and prohibits sex-based discrimination in schools. Ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, a no vote is to strip everything that my age bracket has worked for and for the cheers that we get to hear when we come back into the, into the uh, gymnasium of our school. I've listened to this debate and the frame that's been tried, that you've tried to put around this bill. Democratic Senator Janet Peterson says the comments she's hearing from her Republican colleagues are troubling. That show a lack of knowledge and understanding about Iowa kids who are transgender. It shows how much work is ahead of us to open hearts and minds to give our kids the love and support they need and deserve. This bill is not about fairness. It's about singling out some of our most marginalized kids. But the floor manager for the bill, Republican Senator Tim Goodwin, says there are too many differences between transgender and non-transgender athletes. Boys and girls, men and women, are different. It's apparent in so many aspects of daily life. It's also apparent in sports. So to the Iowa girl and your parents, we are not wrong on leading in this issue. Mr. President, I move House File 2416 and ask that it be read for the last time and placed on its passage. All Republicans vote for this bill and all Democrats vote against. Thank you all for being here as we celebrate a victory in girls sports in Iowa. The next afternoon, Governor Kim Reynolds holds a public bill signing in the Capitol's rotunda. It requires schools at all levels to designate sporting events as male, female, or co-ed. Only students who are female according to their birth certificate will be eligible to compete in girls' sports. Nothing could be more straightforward and common sense. The governor moves to a table to sign a bill with ceremonial pens. She is surrounded by supportive legislators and student athletes. The bill becomes enacted with her signature, and the ban is now enforceable. Earlier this week, Governor Reynolds delivered the National Republican response to President Joe Biden's State of the Union speech. She used part of this nationally broadcast speech to mention a tax bill she signed hours earlier. Today, I signed legislation that eliminates Iowa's tax on retirement income and sets our tax rate at 3.9%. The flat income tax will be at this rate in 2026, but taxes for most retirement income will be eliminated next year. Democrats say the flat income tax disproportionately reduces taxes for those with a higher income. Right now, the top rate is 8.5% for those making more than $78,000. Someone making $15,000 
is taxed at 4.1%. I'm John Pimple. This is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. The script editor for this episode is Iowa Public Radio News Director Michael Leland. Additional stories about this year's legislative session are coming from Iowa Public Radio's State House reporter Katerina Sestarik, also IPR reporter Grant Gerlach and Natalie Krebs. Digital team support for this podcast comes from Caitlin Troutman. If you haven't subscribed to the show, do that now, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.